Romans, if you would. Romans chapter 8. Let's look at something that uh, is fundamental and foundational to our lives. Now, I do want to remind you of this. There's only one way the devil can steal, kill, and destroy from your life. There's only one way. He only has one door. One door that he can steal from your life. And that's only if you and I let him convince us that we are not who Jesus says we are. If you ever become natural, normal, carnal, unspiritual, the devil can steal, kill, and destroy. But if you remain in faith who Jesus says you are, he will never win. You will always win. Could I have a little better shout this morning? You will win if faith will always win if you and I stay who Jesus says that we are. We remain. And so we're in a we're in a series this morning. It didn't start out that way, but we are discovering how to always turn our life into amazing. What is it that makes our life Everything turn into amazing. And in Romans chapter 8, it, he talks about that very thing. Verse 28, he says, we know. Let's read it together. That'd be good. Verse 28, I'm in the King James. Do what you can. Ready, read. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, this is the Word of God. It's true. It's reality. It's, it's fact. He said all things work together for good. There's two conditions. You've got to love God. You've got to be the call, the appointed. You've got to be purposeful. But on those, he said everything in your life, every day in every way, will work out amazing. We looked at it in the Passion Translation, and here's what it says. It's, it's pretty neat. It says, we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are His lovers who have been called to fulfill His divine purpose. Woohoo! We are called to fulfill His divine purpose. And if He called you, He equipped you. He, you are able to do what He's called you to do. And so we've got to look and say, I'm a child of God. I am a son. You are a daughter, a son. We are children of God. And our expectation from everything that we know about children to their father is that, that our father can do right by us. That our father will do and can do right by us. That he's going to get heaven right. How many of y'all believe we're going to go to heaven someday and he's going to do right by us? There's not going to be any... Smoke and mirrors, no, uh, no uh, switch, uh, bait and switch. It's going to be exactly what the Word says. We're going to go to heaven, and everything is going to turn out amazing on that realm. In that dimension, it's going to be perfect. So, if we can believe that, and I do believe that, then we have to believe. It just makes sense that you and I would believe that God can fix today. If He can fix that, which is pretty daunting and naturally unsurmountable, how much more can he fix my money issue, the things that Debbie talked about, our relation issues, um, our, our 
our families, our jobs, he can fix it. He's got a solution. He's got a plan. He's got a way out. So we say around here, based on the word of God, there's always a way to win. So we got we to start posturing ourselves that bad news does not affect us. That bad news will not change anything. You will not flinch. You will not breathe harder. Your heart rate will not go up. Your blood pressure won't go up when you get some sort of report because everything is turning out amazing. You got to know that every day is going to be a challenge because you're going to have to be in faith, but that everything is turning out amazing. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, if you would. Hebrews chapter 10. The Bible is full of good news. I do not know how preachers or even all of us believers can somehow have a negative day with God as their father being born again and amazingly made supernatural how we can go around with bad news, depression and despair and having a hard time with God as our father. It's just, it's just crazy. It doesn't, it doesn't add up. There's, a, there's some sort of conflict in us when God Almighty, the one that made the universe, is our Father, our very own Creator, and we're having a bad day. Now, there's something wrong there. It does not fit. You cannot make that come out theologically or even uh, in, in our heads. You can't make that come out. It says in chapter 10 of Hebrews in verse uh, 22, it says, let us draw near with a true heart, look here, in full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession. So that tells us right there, there's going to be pressure against our mind, our soul, to say, this isn't going to work out. This is going south. This is going to be hard. You're going to suffer. You're going to do without. This is going to hurt. This is not going to be what you wanted. He said, put that aside and hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Everybody can eventually get it back together, but the key to being victorious is that we never waver. That when the bad news comes, and the bad news will come, but you don't have to receive it. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to embrace it and pull it in. But the key is, is get where you, you never waver. So you get a letter from the IRS, or you get a phone call from someone that's, that, that is from the, from the jail. You know, the jail's calling. Now, why, you know, where are my six kids? And one of them, you know, the jail's calling. Where you don't, you don't even take a deep breath to answer the phone. Are y'all getting this? Where, where you get, a, they're handing out pink slips all over the factory or whatever. And everybody, and you're just walking through with a smile. Never flinching, never flittering. The word calls it here, uh, um, not without wavering, without wavering. And so that's why we talk every Sunday, every Wednesday. That's why you read your, your Bible. That's why you listen to tapes and listen to books is so that we get this thing so down in us that we get to the place, not that we can't recover, but that we never waver. 
We, just, we hold fast our confession without wavering. A, a Christian is supposed to be convinced in their head as surely as they are in their spirit that everything is turning out amazing. This is our goal. This is what we, we pound it, we nail it, we hammer on it all the time around here because there's a battle in our minds that says, well, maybe not this time. Or what about this special circumstance? Or what about so-and-so and uh, in what they said they would do? We get it where we go. He is still my heavenly father. God is my heavenly father. I am his son. I am his daughter. And everything, based on that alone, everything is turning out amazing. Amazing. Not just like we're going to get it back. Or maybe someday this will all come back somehow to normal. It's turning out amazing. The devil picked a fight with me. Whew, big brother's coming from up behind, and this is going to be amazing when this is through. That's our whole posture. That's our whole get up this morning, and I'm fixing to have the July 2nd amazing day. Never been a day like this. That's our whole perspective. And if you don't have that, then you're, you may say, I'm a strong Christian. I got good faith. Not necessarily. If you're having... Fear, intimidation, nervousness, anxious thoughts that are prevailing, ruling your day. You're snapping at people because you got something on your mind that's negative. We're not being, we're not, we're not the, to the place where we're not wavering. Let me go on here. It says, uh, with a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Read that with the next with me. For he is faithful that promised. That's it right there. It's not because you're so faithful. It's not because I've never messed up. It's not because I didn't pull a bonehead play and I didn't, you know, fall in the trap or I didn't mess up. Did I mess up? Yes, but he is faithful. It's not based on your track record, based on your past, based on your everything is turning out amazing because of me. It's he is faithful. And we look at this in the Phillips where it says he is utterly dependable. Did you write that in your Bible somewhere? He is utterly dependable. He is utterly dependable. Well, you know, sometimes God gets in a bind and I get him in such a place he can't get out of it. He is utterly dependable. Well, sometimes things are just impossible. They just can't be fixed. He is utterly dependable. He is utterly every time and every time utterly dependable. Are we on that? That's why everything is turning out amazing. It's not because we have better doctrine. It's not because we have a better past. It's not because we raised flawless children. It's not because we uh, always invested our money in the kingdom. It's not. It's not. We all have a past. We all have mistakes. We all have to. But we got to take the blood of Jesus and draw that line on our past and then and come to the place where you go, it's as if I've never sinned. There is therefore now no condemnation to me who are in Christ Jesus. That is the truth. That's not a hope. That's not a, uh, a wish. It is the truth, the reality of what Jesus, the Lord Jesus, did for us. So our whole life is to get out of the carnal, get out of the natural, so the devil can't touch us. 
Romans says that sin shall not have dominion over you. We got to get that inside of us where we say, it doesn't dominate me. Did I mess up? Absolutely. Did I repent? Sure did. Did the blood take care of it? Every time. I'm good. I'm good. Paul said one in one place, he said, he said uh, uh, that, uh, that there was no, that he wasn't guilty of sin. I forget how he says it now. I brought it up and didn't, didn't, uh, couldn't follow through. 1 Peter chapter 5, though, we'll go there. I like this track of, of uh, everything is turning out amazing. It gives you hope. It gives you a, a defiance, a, a, a domination concerning the devil, against, uh, concerning tomorrow, that everything is turning out amazing. There's a path through the briar patch. There's a way through the trouble that God's going to lead us. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at this. Now let's get down to where the... The, let's find out how we can always have an amazing day. Right here it says in chapter 5, verse 5, first part says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. So he's, he's talking about something above. And then, then it says, Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God. So right here, here's the lesson, here's the principle. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. He tells us what to do and then he tells us why. Why should we submit to one another? Well, it's just the right thing to do or it's just good manners or it's just something that we do in our, in our uh, culture. No, he says because of pride, God resisteth. But he giveth grace, the word is favor, to the humble. Verse 6, humble yourselves therefore, because this is the way it is, this is how God works, this is how he always works, this is how it will always be, that he resisteth the proud, but he gives favor or grace to the humble. He said, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Let me look there in verse 5. Let's spend a little time right here and get ourselves tweaked up. Y'all got room for a little tweaking this morning? Because, you know, you could just take this message and say, yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. You know, don't be proud, be humble, and just go on. Let me tell you how serious this message is. In verse 5, it says, God resisteth the proud. The word resisteth there is a very strong Greek word. I looked it up. And it means that uh, it's, it's the, the word resisteth there is a military word, and it means to array, A-R-R-A-Y. As someone that knows there's a battle coming, there's a war coming, and so they go into their war tent or whatever, and they put on their battle gear, they, put on, they array themselves ready for the battle. It says, he resisteth the proud. Uh, it's what you do in your mindset. Y'all know how football players, you've seen enough football movies to know how they psych themselves, how they get themselves ready right before a game. 
football or basketball, whatever, and the coach comes in there and he gives them a straighten them out talk. You know, it's them and it's us, and yeah, I know they're seven foot five and you're four foot nine, and I, you know, but but you can do this, and it's the team, and it's and he goes in there and he arrays them for battle. It's a military term. It means to set yourself to meet an enemy for war. Now let's plug that back into this. It says, God resisteth the proud. The word has a connotation of fierceness to it. It's not passive. God resisteth. He is fierce against the proud. Not like, well, you know, if you're going to be proud, we're just going to, you can't play over in our part of the, the park. No, he is fierce about the proud. The reason is, is the word the proud there literally means an uplifted heart against God and man. The word, uh, I, I looked it up in this commentary, and it, the word literally is composed from two Greek words that means a head, and then it means above the crowd. So it's someone that has lifted themselves up above the crowd. You know, we're talking about proud, pride here. Someone that's proud. Someone that is head and shoulders above all you normal people, you regular, you, you ordinary folks. And then there's me. The Bible says that God right here resisteth that fiercely as if going to war. It's an amazing spot. Now, we're talking about everything turning out amazing. We're talking about always coming out on top. We're talking about always having a track for your life, a strategy and a blueprint that always puts you at the most optimum place when the thing is done. When the thing is over, you landed right. He said, don't be proud. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Now, this mighty hand of God, it's a Greek word, and we're going to do a little word study this morning. It's the only place in the whole New Testament where this is used. As a matter of fact, the Bible word hand of God is only used four times in the whole Bible. And I looked at one of them. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 3. Um, let me just... The, the word in verse 22, in verse 22, it's the, con the uh, context... For hand of God, mighty hand of God, is ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. And then in verse 24 it says, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. Only used four times. Thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might. So the point here is, is God is saying, I'm coming out in full strength, full battle gear, my full array, and I'm coming for the humble. I'll fight off any devil. I'll make any concession to cause it to happen. I will make this thing turn out good for the humble. The one that comes under me and says, God, you're the only God. 
But the, for the man that does not, that says, you know, I'm going to check in with my, my people first, God, and if I can't do better, I'll get back to you. God said, I'm just as fierce, and I cut you off. You will not have my good hand upon you. It's an amazing passage. And I'm, I'm taking note of it. I stumbled into this, and I'm taking note of it for myself. Um, let's go on here. In verse six, he, uh, verse 6, he says, Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Say due time. So when we say everything is turning out amazing, and everything that's not amazing is still turning, it's talking about due time. The due time is what, between now and the due time, is what gets people in trouble. Because when we're in trouble, we want God to fix it now. But he's got a trust factor, a faith factor, a time lapse built in that he's got to work out somebody. He's got to work out something. He's got to work out a situation to get you the money, the, the, the supply, the whatever you need. He's always going to make it work, but it may not be by 5 o'clock. Well, people stumble between now and 5 o'clock. They want it today, and, but due time, he said, I guarantee this thing will work out to the very best. You're going to like what the work we do, God says. But you may have to wait on it a day or two. Can you wait? And we're all supposed to say, God, you're God. You're operating under the mighty hand. You, your fierceness is unprecedented. We can wait for the very best that heaven has. We can wait. There's nothing going on down here in my life that we could say, mm, I might get a better offer. God, we can wait. He said, it'll work out if you can just give me a little due time. Everything's turning out amazing. And everything that's not amazing right now is turning. It's still turning. Can we go with that? Can we, can we take the most vulnerable thing that's on the earth, which is time, and say, God, I'm going to get over on your schedule where there is no time? Right. He is sure he can do it. And time's not a factor to him, but we want it now. Why? Because we don't have a persuasion that we can stay unwavering. Remember when we looked in Hebrews, he said, don't waver. Believe when I say this is going to turn out amazing. And just don't waver. Just bide your time. Just whistle through it. Just, just take, your, take your leisure because it will turn out amazing. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. And then verse 8. Excuse me, verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This is how you humble yourself. You look up in some commentaries and it'll say, well, you know, to be made low, to, to think of, they're real religious. It's like, you're a worm, you're a, you're a dirty worm, you're a no good worm. But that's not what it means at all. It says to, to humble yourself, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. When we humble ourselves, we take our care, which is always centered about me. Uh, to tell you honest, I, you know, we, we care about one another, but whether your milk is spoiled in the refrigerator and you're going to have to go buy some before you can eat supper is really not on my hot list. 
Well, we need to mow the grass by Tuesday because it's been raining. Never came across my thought life. You understand what I'm saying? Cares are personal. Casting our care. Care means it's all about me. The word casting there, I looked that up, and it does not mean a constant unloading. The word there in the Greek means an act once for all, throwing the whole life with its whole care on him at one time. So it's kind of like getting saved. You know, we don't get saved every day. Well, Lord, here I am. I'm a new sinner today. You know, I got saved yesterday, and I was clean all day, but here I'm a new sinner. I need to get saved. No, we got saved. We're still saved. And he's talking about coming to a place in your mind where you make a decision. I am casting me, my personal life, and all the things that touch my life, my feelings, my uh, temperature, my hunger, my uh, itchy spot, uh, my, uh, my clothes are too tight, or all the things that are personal cares and worse. Lord, I'm going to cast them once and for all on you. I'm going to separate myself from knowing about my body. What does it say about Abraham? There it is. He considered not his own body. Let's point to ourselves and say, body... I'm not considering you anymore. Now, that'll take care of a whole bunch of cares. Now, you'll have to work on this, but when your soul starts fretting, anxious thoughts, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Who is that all about? It's about me. It's about self. It's about what am I going to do? Well, if everything's turning out amazing and you don't have any new instructions from Holy Ghost, then what do you care what are you going to do? You're going to do whatever he says because you're on his agenda and you're on his schedule. Then he says in verse 7, we're going through this, casting all your care. I looked that word up and I was quite surprised what that means. Casting all your care, the word means distraction. It means distraction. Casting all your distractions. So who are we? We are bought with a price. We're not our own. Jesus has bought me. He owns me. I have no claim to me. Are we right? Is that right? No claim to me. Well, now, God, I wasn't as bad as old uh, Doodle Dog over here. You know, I, you, you didn't take as much grace to save me as it did him. So maybe, you know, I have a little say about something. No, we were all utterly lost. We were all utterly unrighteous. It took all of the cross to save all of us. So we have no say. So it says here, casting your care. It's talking about, here's what, here's what the euphemism is, constructing a detour in your mind so no, no distraction is able to come into the court of your mind. So uh, if you're a justice of the peace, for example, and you get somebody come in and says, well, their dog messed on my yard. Well, they didn't stop at the stop sign. Well, they went 28 miles an hour in the 20. And, okay, so the justice of the peace is having to sort out all these people's little petty stuff all the time. The word here, casting your care, is a word that says, 
we're closing the doors to the courtroom and nobody can come in anymore. Casting our distractions. No more distractions. If you're a distraction, I do not let you in. I hear a distraction coming, close the door. No distraction coming in. Not coming in and we're going to sort it out and we're going to deal with it and we're going to decide. No distraction allowed to come in. Casting your care once and for all. Casting your distractions. So that means that we all of a sudden have a, dis, a focused life. A focused life. And everything about our life says Jesus. Everything is Jesus. When you were dating Sweet Pea, everything was her. Your parents went wild. It's like, really, really, really? Can we not spend 10 minutes away from her? Or can we not, can we not all go on a family trip just to go? Can we not do anything anymore without her or him coming? That may not pertain to you, but it pretty much pertained to us. And, and uh, we liked it that way, and that's kind of the way it was. Hallelujah. Now it's that way with Jesus, where he is everything. In Matthew 6, 25, we won't go there, but the Bible says there, the Lord Jesus said, take no thought. And he talks about three things, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, and what you'll wear, which are all personal things, which are all temporary or daily things. They're all things that come up every day. He said, take no thought. The word thought there is, uh, means self-preserving or self-promoting. So here's how most, of the, most Christians' thoughts go. They are negotiating their life with their thoughts, trying to plant their body, plant their future, plant their, their life in a self-preserving or a self-promoting mode. In other words, we're always trying to deflect something that'll hurt us or diminish us, or we're always trying to position ourselves how to put me out there in front. Jesus said, take no self-promoting or self-preserving thought. What you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, and what you're going to drink. Take no thought. Well, if you don't do that, there's no other thought to take, is there? Amen. Then in verse 7, Excuse me. Um, let's, let's put verse 6 and 7 together. Verse 6 and 7, seven just, just the highlights of the verb say, Humble yourselves and cast all your anxieties, all your distraction upon him because he cares. And here's the key. All our care doesn't do any good. Remember all the thoughts you and I use to self-preserve and self-promote? How many do they, how much does that really increase your life? Jesus said one time, he said, taking one thought, can you raise your height or can you change the number of your hairs? He said, if you can't do that, why bother? He says, for he careth for you. So I came to the conclusion, based on this, and we're talking about everything turning out amazing, that pride is the root of almost all of our anxiety. 
When we get anxious, it's not about the lost of the world. It's not about the hungry of the world. It's not about anybody except us. Pride is almost always the root of every anxious thought, every self-preserving thought, every self-promoting thought. It's pride. And that is because it, pride does not like to surrender control or criticism or chastening to somebody else. Who do you know, including ourselves, where we come in and sit down in front of somebody and said, I need you to do an analysis of me and hold nothing back. I want you to tell me where I'm missing it, where, I've, where I'm making myself a fool, where I'm, we do not like that. Could I have a better amen? We do not like that. We, we, I don't like it. You don't like it. We don't like it. It takes a very humble person that just says, listen, it's not working for me. Something's wrong. I don't know what it is. But I'm submitting myself to you to just tell me what you see going on in my life that uh, is hurting me or, or getting me off course. That takes humbling. We're talking about everything turning out amazing. And the, the Bible says to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and that he will make everything turn out amazing. He will exalt you in due season. He will make it. If you'll get out of the way, he said, I can handle this. If you'll just quit trying to help me help you, by preserving and promoting and worrying and getting distracted and, and wavering, he said, I can handle this. That's what God says. I can handle this. I will handle this. I'm your father, and I will make this look good. One more scripture, and that's in James. It's right there. It is hard for pride to surrender to somebody else. It's, it's in our relationships, it's in our churches, it's in our marriages, it's in our children. It's a factor in everything. James chapter 4, you know this verse. It says in verse uh, 6, let's look at the second half of 6. Well, we'll read all of 6. But he giveth more grace, talking out of verse 5, he, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, here's the same line of thinking, James says, God resisteth the proud, takes a military stance against the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. He is for the humble. Why is that? Because he can put something in them. Because he can go somewhere with the humble. Someone that says, I don't have a life except Jesus. <laughs> Jesus said the way up is down. He said, if you want to be the greatest of all, what did he say? Be the servant of all. In the world, if you want to be the greatest of all, you better get you some money. You better get you some friends. You better get yourself some power. You better get yourself some leverage. If you want to be the greatest of all, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to kick some people under the knees, uh, under the table, into the knees, because the way up is, 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 is over people. But in the kingdom, the way up is to be the servant of all. And then he says in verse 7, 
Let's read, let me read it again. God resisted the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore. We could have said the therefore first. He says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Therefore, because God resisteth the proud, therefore submit yourselves therefore to God. He said, you want everything to turn out amazing? Go with God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I read one time about somebody that said, they took verse 7, and they said, wonder if it works this way. They reversed it. And what they said was, submit yourselves therefore to the devil, resist God, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves therefore to the devil, resist God, and he will flee from you. Another place it says, draw yourselves near to God, and he will draw near to you. Well, you could also say, I wonder if it works, draw yourselves therefore to the devil, and he will draw himself to you. There's a, an attraction here that causes us to be aligned with whoever we humble or submit to. In Romans, it talks about uh, whoever you submit to obey is your Lord. Whether it be sin or righteousness, that is your master. So I'm actively pursuing everything turning out amazing. For me, I am. It's selfish. It's, it's, it's prideful in that sense. I'm wanting, I'm wanting it to turn out amazing for me. Because I believe if it'll turn out amazing for me, it'll turn out amazing for everybody around me. It's, it, there's a ministry aspect to that, a, a, a kingdom aspect that says, God, i got to get this right because I'm affecting other people or I could affect other people. I want to get it right for me. But if I go down, if I'm prideful and, and uh, arrogant and uh, willful, well, then nobody's going to be able to get anything from me. So this morning... If we can, we're going to cast our care upon the Lord. Because now maybe, if you see it like I saw it today, it's more important than I thought to get rid of pride. He's fiercely arrayed in military garb and weaponry against the proud. And he's touched and open to the humble, giving them grace and mercy. I want the grace and mercy of God. <laughs> I may have been on that other side, but I, I like, God, enough of that. I want help. Y'all, we need help. It's not as bad. You look around, you go, well, this isn't so bad. That's because we hadn't seen everything that's good. I want help. So right now, we're just going to ask for help. And so this is a hard thing. It'll mean everything to you or it'll mean nothing to you. It's the same words, but it's what you and I say. Father in heaven, we thank you that we are your children, sons and daughters. We are birthed by you, born again, and you are our heavenly Father. And Lord, we put off everything that says I am self-made, everything that says I am self-sustaining, 
everything that says that I bought myself with some price, and it's me that's behind whatever I am. Lord, we realign today, and we declare and say in our hearts, I am bought with a price, and I am not my own. Lord, I am bought with the price of the blood of Jesus. And so I submit to God. I hate the devil, Lord, like you hate him. I want to hate him like you hate him. And Lord, he has nothing for me. Steal, kill, and destroy. I want nothing to do with him. Therefore, I submit myself to you, Father, so that I can resist him. Right now, Lord, I resist the devil in my life. Just help me with it on your own life, under your breath. I resist him in my finances, in Jesus' name. No more stealing, no more killing, no more destroying. I resist the devil in my marriage. I resist the devil in my, my vocation, my business, my work. I resist the devil. Take your hands off of my vocation. I resist the devil with my family. In Jesus' name. Things that have gone south, things that seem impossible to repair. Right now, Lord, I ask you for a turning out and amazing in my family. In Jesus' name. To restore, to reconstitute, and replenish, and Lord, to make new. I thank you today, Lord, that time is no longer a factor. I trust you. I can wait in faith as long as it takes because I believe I receive the end of it now, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now, can you all say with me, because of that, everything is turning out amazing, and everything that is not amazing right now is turning. It's turning. Behind the scenes, behind... What we can verify, and, and uh, it's turning. It's turning. It's turning out amazing for River Church. It's turning out amazing for Tuscaloosa. It's turning out amazing for the kingdom of God. Yes. Woo-hoo! So you can get up every day and say, because you don't have any dread, no anxious thought about what I'll eat, what I'll wear, what I'll drink, we can get up every day and say, today is an awesome day. It's an amazing day. No matter what happens, no matter who throws what, I'm having an amazing day. Amen. Amen. Does anybody have a testimony about something amazing? Because we're, we're having a supernatural summer. And here it is July. Surely something supernatural's happened in June. Anybody got something? Got something? Supernatural recovery. Now I'm telling you, I'm... I'm a witness to that. It is amazing. Praise God. Justin? No more temp. Hallelujah. Ah, that is awesome, brother. Everybody knows being permanent is better than being temp. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woohoo! And you were the one that got the forklift job. Yep. He just pointed you one day and said, "You." Amen. Supernatural summer. 
Amen. All right. Well, if you hadn't got one, a supernatural summer going now, start loading up for your testimony because there's one happening for you. Amen. Anybody need prayer for anything? <laughs> she did. She did. She did. She just like. I don't know if three thousand at your house is a big deal, but it was it. It was a big deal at our house. <laughs> it was a real big deal. And she said. Uh, she said, this may take a while. I'm working on some stuff. It came in three days. And that's, it's, 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 it was just amazing. I'm glad you remembered that. Amen. Madison, you're having a supernatural summer. You are. I'm telling you. Annette, you and Garland are having a supernatural summer. Praise God. We are. Join Pam. I decree a supernatural summer on this. Ishmael, a supernatural summer for you. Amazing things, over the top, stuff that you couldn't even think of. Better than you thought it might be. Amen. And Justin, Barry and Melissa, oh, awesome. Praise God. Come on. Talked to her the other day, and she, she, Listen, let me tell you, just based on her testimony, she said, you know, you, take your, you don't take your church family for granted, but when you don't get to come to church, she said it becomes water in the desert. You want to drink, you know, like when, you, when water's everywhere, you go, ah, this stuff's not so important, but when you get away from the water, it's like if I do anything for a drink, she is, she said her and Lawrence are just, they got to get out. So I sent them some hacksaw blades and, I was going to break Debbie out, but she, they landed us on the seventh floor, and we didn't have enough sheets. We couldn't, we couldn't do it. But we we were, we were bribing nurses or here anything, get us out of here. Amen. Well, silly, silly, but amen. All right. Praise God in Jesus' name, Lord. We receive a supernatural summer together, and every family, Lord, your good hand, your mighty hand upon us is changing our lives and we are grateful. We humble ourselves before you, Lord, that you might exalt us for your glory and our increase. In Jesus' name, amen.